Hey, welcome to our first ever emergency episode of Understand South Carolina. I'm Emery Parker. And I'm Brooks Brunson. So this week, we're going to just abandon the normal schedule, so bear with us. Totally breaking the rules. Yep, yep, yep. We're not sure exactly how many of these we're going to do, and uh, hopefully we're going to get back to our normal schedule next week. So yeah, we're doing this because um, in case you haven't heard, there's a really big storm uh, hovering over the Bahamas right now and devastating that area. And in the next few days, it'll be heading closer to South Carolina, at least according to the current path. Uh, Here at the Post and Courier, we do something called Storm Team, which I think we explained in our previous episode about um, hurricanes and forecasting which is definitely worth a listen after this one. So yeah, Emery and I are going to be spending the night at the office while the rest of, well, surely not everybody will evacuate, but we are going against the uh, the, uh, uh, orders of our governor who has um, ordered um, 830,000 or so uh, residents of South Carolina to evacuate. So yeah, so we decided that this is what's on everyone's mind this week. We thought that it would probably be best if we talked a little bit about Dorian and Emery and I have done this storm team thing at the office. This is the fourth year. We really fourth, thought fourth, fourth time, yeah. We really thought that I at least I did. I was like, no way, it's going to happen fourth year in a row. Yeah, and here we are. And here we are. So, Emery, why don't you start us off by like just setting up the scene? All right. So, um, right now it is. 5.36 p.m., Monday, September 2nd. And uh, that's when we're recording. And I just want to say this is a fast-moving situation. Um, hopefully, by the time you're listening to this episode, all of the information that we're going to discuss is still up to date. But make sure, though, that like when you're making decisions that you're staying up to date with the lo- latest forecast information. You can find that on postandcourier.com or weather.gov, wherever wherever you find you know reliable weather forecasts. Anyway, here's what we know right now. So Hurricane Dorian is a Category 4 storm. It's got winds around 150 miles per hour. It has been stalled over the Bahamas all day. So what we're waiting for right now is for it to make a northern turn. Everybody predicts it to eventually make that northern turn. And when it does, exactly when is going to determine what the impacts on the South Carolina coast are. Meanwhile, uh, as Brooks mentioned, Governor McMaster has issued an evacuation order for communities along the entire South Carolina coast uh, that started today at noon. Um, go to postandcourier.com or scemd.org to confirm exactly what areas are under evacuation order and whether figure out whether or not you should be evacuating or not. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this in a, in a minute about what exactly evacuation means. But bottom line, we are looking at a very uncertain situation. The potential impacts for Charleston and the rest of the Southeast are very much in flux. So what we're going to try to do for the next couple of minutes is try and make sense out of the forecast and explain kind of what the range of possibilities are and hopefully help you understand what's going on and, and make better decisions. And you'll understand South Carolina, maybe. Maybe. Hopefully. We hope. Um, Emery, so you mentioned something that I had, you know, even though I've been kind of uh, on and off covering this the entire weekend, it's been quite fun. Um, this uh, this north turn thing, like, so you said that it depends on where that happens. Like, so where's that predicted to happen now? And what would change if it, if it made that shift north at a different point? Right, right, right. Okay, so the situation with Dorian is that it's, it's, being steered steered like that like you would steer a car right 
that's the that's also the, the technical term that meteorologists use to describe the way that different weather patterns around the storm influence the storm, right? So there's this this big high pressure system to like the north and the east of the storm. And when exactly that moves is going to impact exactly what the what the track ends up being. Normally, right, we're we're used to like looking at a, a cone where a, a storm is headed like towards the land, which is kind of what it was last week, right? Everybody thought we were looking at cones yeah. where, where it's headed basically directly towards Miami. So when you when you get that cone, that like forecast, the margin of error is like somewhere around like 70 miles. So like that means if if let's say for example a, a storm is forecast to make a direct hit on Charleston, well really what that means is like it, it might hit, you know, 70 miles to the east or west of Charleston. That that's like kind of the range. What we're dealing with here though is is a storm that's kind of forecast not really to head towards the land, but kind of follow it. And again, like I mentioned, there's kind of that 70 mile margin of error. Well, it also happens to be that the size of where the hurricane force winds, that's also about 70 miles. So that oh. means <laughs> that means we are we are dancing right along the edge of pretty much, you know, like we're definitely going to experience some weather from this. You know, I, I think like on the better end of the spectrum, we're, we're probably looking at something that's, you know, like we, what we've seen before, tropical storm force conditions, maybe not not like the worst thing we've ever seen, but certainly some weather. And then on the worst case scenario, we're talking about sort of what we were talking about like back in, in 2016, where we're, we're looking at, you know, like kind of category two, maybe category three hurricane conditions. And I just want to be clear, like that's the range of possibilities. I'm not saying either of those is is what's going to happen. That's what we don't know. Well, you know, I guess I, I would have assumed that the worst case scenario could possibly be worse than... Uh, I remember when you said 2016, you were referring to Hurricane Matthew. Right. I mean, I, my assumption, was, like, and maybe, let me clarify or, this, but yeah. I thought it was, this could be worse, but it could be about the same right, or better. Right, 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 right. That's what I'm saying. So I, I think what, what I'm saying is if we knock on wood, right now, it, it kind of looks like it's going to be similar to what happened. Right. But the worst case scenario is a lot like the worst case scenario we were worried about back right. then, which it, is which is like a, a strong category two hurricane, like if not making landfall near Charleston, coming close enough to Charleston that we're experiencing those hurricane conditions. Yeah. And so for those who don't know, I mean, Hurricane Matthew had a pretty similar tr- path to what Dorian is doing is that it, you know, traveled like not did not make direct landfall, but traveled north up the coast um, of Florida. Georgia and then us, and it actually did make landfall briefly in McClellanville. Yeah. I believe it was McClellanville um, here. And I think it was a Category One at that point, and it caused significant damage. But I was here, and it was it was pretty wild to watch. But on that note, about you know what's kind of the difference between a direct impact and the categories, you know, one thing I always like to point out, and I think I went on a bit of a rant about this in our um, hurricanes and forecasting episode, is that Irma, which hit Florida as a Category 4, I believe, and then made its way up through Georgia. And um, when it got closest to Charleston, it was 200 miles away. 
um, and it was a tropical storm, but it was huge. I mean, just the size of this thing was really big. And so while 200 miles away from Charleston, the bends of Irma caused the um, worst tidal surge uh, Charleston has seen since Hurricane Hugo. And everybody knows Hugo is like the bad boy, right? Yeah. So I always want to be careful when, you know, I think that a lot of times we think about these things as, oh, it's a category one, so it's not as bad, or it's a category four, so it's super bad. But this was a tropical storm 200 miles away that caused the worst tidal surge since Hugo. So, Emery, I mean, can you talk about like what, like, okay, let's say this as predicted, I believe, um, Right now, Dorian is predicted to be about 70 miles, 75. I think the last update was 75 miles off away from Charleston when it passes in the Atlantic as a category two. But that's still closer than Irma was as a tropical storm, and it's in water. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So this this gets back to what I was saying a second ago. So, like, yeah, the the official forecast calls for it to be about, like, 75 miles off the coast. And, And again, that, like, hurricane wind field is also about 70 miles across so that says it all right there like we're we're that close to those like in more intense winds and you know i like i think that's that's what the concern definitely is because it's not going to follow that exact forecast track and so right if it's going to be like if it's 20 miles to the west or 20 miles to the east that makes a big difference but even if it does i mean i guess my question is like you know i think that it's important for people to understand the public to understand that even if it is far away it can cause really bad damage because that's like with irma tropical storm 200 miles away and really bad damage right right? so it's like at sea level you know we talked a lot about sea level rise on the show and charleston and flooding like this well, could yeah, be tricky. And, you know, the, the last, uh, you know, I'm sure if you've been driving around for the past week, like you've been noticing too, we, we have had coastal flood warnings pretty much every night for the last couple of days. And that has nothing to do with this. I know that's that, that, that has to do entirely crazy. with just really high tides. You know, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast on a good day, Charleston can flood. Now, you know, you're throwing a, a tropical system at it and you're throwing a, you know, storm surge at it. That's got to be one of the bigger risks that we're talking about here is is water. A lot of people are going to pay a lot of attention to these intense winds. And it's important, I think, also to make sure that people understand. So you've probably started to see some of the pictures coming out of the Bahamas, right? And the storm did make history being the strongest storm to ever hit the Bahamas, you know, hit with like 200 mile per hour winds. And it also just went so slow. I Like I've been in in the office today all day watching the the satellite and it's man if that thing is moving it is hard to tell i, I mean i know it is it's it forecasters say you know and they're right that, that it is moving but at one mile per hour and that is holy crap that is so hard to see that's like slower than i walk <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure it is yeah um, a lot slower <laughs> and and so you you just think about like that is just devastating to a flat island to just experience those conditions for that period of time. Now, we're not talking about anything like that happening around here. The storm is definitely going to uh, weaken before it gets here, and it's also going to speed up. So the timing actually is, is going to matter a little bit because of, like I was mentioning, the, those tides. So what we're going to be concerned about is sort of the time before the storm is actually like at its closest point which is when the winds will be blowing water towards the city. And that's when, you know, you would have the most concern about storm surge. 
right now, I, you know, it, it's far enough away that I, you know, each model run is putting it in a different position at a different time. So I'm not sure, you know, is is it going to happen during high tide or low tide? You know, that's kind of the most important factor, right? Exactly. At this point, right? Um, hmm. Also, timeline wise, just to I think give people a, a perception of, of like sort of what we're looking at at least right now. And again, this is as of um, like five o'clock Monday. It looks like we're talking about something like Wednesday night into Thursday is when we expect to experience the worst conditions around here. So that actually brings me to the question we had from one of our followers on Twitter who, okay, so a government master, he ordered the evacuation last night at around 6.30 p.m. He said that it was mandatory for noon today. One of our followers on Twitter asked if they could leave on, on Wednesday um, or if that would be too late. And he said, uh, this is confusing and nerve-wracking. I get, you know, I don't want to answer that exactly because I think you should follow right. the, you know, what officials are saying to yeah. do. But at the same time, I mean, I guess we could say that it's not projected to be as close as it, it won't be at its closest point. Right. So I think the first thing I want to say is it is frustrating and confusing. That is true. It's frustrating and confusing to us as well. And it's frustrating and confusing yes. to officials that are trying to make these decisions. We're all dealing with the same uncertainty that all of y'all are dealing with. Yeah, it's it's really important, I think, to acknowledge that and to empathize with people because on the one hand, you know, these questions, you know, this every every year we deal with these questions. What does what does a mandatory evacuation mean? Do I have to evacuate? When do I have to evacuate? Blah blah blah. You know, after a while it gets kind of repetitive and it, it gets a little bit annoying to to answer these questions. But at the same time, I understand like the frustration that people have about it. It's a lot of work to evacuate. Um, it costs money. Maybe you have a, a shift that you've got to pick up on Thursday or I mean on Tuesday or Wednesday. And, you know, anyway. And we've I, had so many like kind of, uh, we've had a lot of evacuations recently that kind of didn't. Right. Well, that that's that's another thing is, yeah, if, if I'm thinking back to the previous evacuations, I, I I'm sure a lot of people are are thinking about those and, and feeling like, is this going to be another situation where I leave town? And then it, it, you know, it turns out to be a lot better than than forecasted. But, you know, of course, the, the thing is, like, in hindsight, that's actually kind of what we all should hope for, right? Is is that, you know, we've already made this this call to evacuate. We're making, we're not, we're not making the um, officials, the governor has made this decision precisely because we don't know what's going to happen. We have like this range of possibilities. We're worried about the worst case scenario. And yeah, I mean, like, we're actually, I think at this point, the thing to hope for is that we evacuate and it's for nothing. But that's really frustrating to people. And I mean, you know, another note, you know, a lot of people were wondering, you know, why did Big Master not wait until today to make that call? I mean, he made it pretty early because um, the storm, yeah, as Emory said, it's supposed to get closest to us like Wednesday night into Thursday. And so to make that call on Sunday seems kind of far in advance, I mean, mm-hmm. several days. But, you know, if you think about it, this is Labor Day weekend. We had one, we had people here from out of town. So it was kind of like. We need to go ahead and make this call because we need to reverse the highways because we have extra people in town for Labor Day because Charleston is a tourist attraction, right? I mean, not just Charleston. The, the beaches are for Labor Day. That's a normal thing. And then on the, on the other side, it's like if you're a Charleston or if you're a uh, coastal resident and you left town for Labor Day, then, you know, do you want to come back and then get ordered to evacuate? Or would you want to maybe stay at your 
in Los Alice or something for a few more days in Greenville or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to think about that. That guy, he, he's got to make the right call for like the resident safety. You know, it's, it's um, you know, I saw a lot of feedback that it was frustrating that it did come so early, but it takes a lot of time to evacuate 830,000 people efficiently, especially at the holiday weekend really kind of throws a wrench in that too. So I think that, that was a huge factor in why. Right, right. I mean, I, I'm just imagining like, Holiday traffic generally is is a disaster. Right. Like I'm, I'm thinking about the times that I've tried to drive in or out of Charleston around like Christmas or Thanksgiving, um, Memorial Day. Like it it can get really hairy, um, especially like if there's a wreck or, or or anything. So you know, like it makes sense that if you take all of that into account, you know, you you want to get you want to make the process of leaving town as smooth and as fast as possible. Um, and so they, they have actually reversed the lanes for Interstate 26 to also help that. So you can really, on the interstate, you can only leave Charleston. You can't drive into Charleston from the interstate. To go back, though, to the, the question that was was asked. Ready? Yes. Yeah. What I would say is leave as soon as you can. Yep. You know, but like, like I said, I, I understand that, you know, the, the order was to evacuate today at noon. I understand there are reasons why people may or may not have done that already. Like I said, you know, it, it. a lot of people work. They might, you know, work in food and bev or something. They might have their boss saying, you know, well, I need you to pick up the shift on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever, you know, and, and people may or may not have the flexibility with their budgets to, you know, say no or risk their job or whatever. But you want to leave as, as soon as you can. I think Wednesday is cutting it close. Yeah. If, if like, I'm not going to encourage anybody to leave on Wednesday, but if you had to, you definitely want to leave as soon as possible on Wednesday. Because I, I think Wednesday is when we're going to start probably feeling some of the effects. Which is, you know, also to say, yeah, we just, in the the 5 p.m. Um, National Hurricane Center advisory, um, they did issue a um, hurricane watch for most of South Carolina's coast, which means that within the next 48 hours, we will likely start seeing um, tropical storm force winds in, in the area. So... Yeah, 48 hours, yeah, that's, that's Wednesday, and you don't want to get caught in that, <laughs> especially when it's not even about the wind, though, too. It's the, the wind affecting the water, right? and you definitely don't want to be driving through. I had a friend who got in a really scary situation last year trying to drive through some water. Mm-hmm. It was He was near the North Carolina-South Carolina border, right. and got caught in a flash flooding situation and had to crawl out of his car kind right. of thing. So. Right. Well, and, and again, like I was saying, too, the um, the timing of storm surge is actually going to be a little bit different than the timing of the storm itself. So even though I, I'm talking about experiencing, like, the strongest winds, probably, like, Wednesday night to Thursday, somewhere in that range, um, again, like I said, the storm surge risk actually comes in before the storm gets here or it starts before the storm actually gets here. And so if you think about, like, what your evacuation route might be, and if there are routes that sometimes flood or that are flood prone, I mean, you might run into a situation where if you're trying to evacuate around high tide and there's like on sh- like strong onshore winds blowing water towards the coast, you might be dealing with a much higher tide than, you know, you anticipated or even that we've been dealing with for the last couple of days. So you might find yourself blocked from taking the routes that you might have expected to. So you know, that, that's another reason to, to get out now, or at least as soon as possible, rather than wait and, you know, take the risk that you're going to be trying to evacuate while 
we're starting to experience Dorian. But I, I think um, one thing that's worth getting into is we've we've just gone through this now way way too many times. Is this question of what does mandatory evacuation mean in South Carolina? Actually, Nikki Haley. <laughs> I have like we you and I both have like enough history with going through these things. Yes. So I actually remember the thing that Nikki Haley used to say is she would just order an evacuation and she would explain that South Carolina doesn't actually have this thing. So, so some states have this thing where they'll like issue a voluntary evacuation or a mandatory evacuation. South Carolina doesn't do that. When the governor says evacuate, it just means evacuate. So, and I think that caused a lot of confusion because everybody was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> um, McMaster has just gone ahead and started calling it a mandatory evacuation. But it's but technically... Then, but technically, like I said, South Carolina doesn't really do that. So, right, like you're not going to get arrested <laughs> if you don't evacuate. Like the governor does have the authority to order an evacuation. And if the governor does order an evacuation, you're supposed to leave. That's what an evacuation means. And I mean, you probably that, just should. I mean, if, that being you know. said, that I think what whenever the government tells you to do something, uh, I think it's reasonable that people maybe ask right. or mm-hmm. what or else. What, what if I don't? And the answer is, if you don't, you're putting yourself at risk. And, you know, it's important also to note that during these, like, you know, again, we've written these things out. What's going to happen is that eventually the winds are going to get high enough the certain parts of roads are going to get flooded enough that they're going to suspend emergency services. I mean, if you call 911, they're not going to be able to send somebody to you. Right. Um, and so that's that's really important to keep in mind. Because if you and if s- these bridges, if you know, especially if you live in a community that you know it, it takes a bridge to get to, those bridges could close. You oh yeah, get yeah, trapped, yeah, yeah. That's a, you know? the, the bridges are going to close. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely like during the storm, you're not going to be able to drive over. You know, get from Johns Island to downtown or whatever. Like if if that's what you're imagining. That being said, like, no, they're not going to send police like door to door. They're not going to arrest you necessarily. But I think that's probably the wrong way to to think about it. It's not it's not that like there's a legal penalty for not evacuating. There's a like risk to life and limb penalty for not evacuating. I mean, if you do, you know. I, I will say that emergency personnel probably would try to get to you if you called 911, but that would put them uh, Yeah, I mean, of, of course, of course. I right, mean, so it's like, just things like that you got to consider. It's not just you, you too, you know. It's, right, right, right. And I mean, it's, again, it's it's totally understandable. There's so many, so many reasons why evacuating is frustrating, and I understand all of it. I have so much empathy and sympathy for, for everybody that is so frustrated about it and doesn't want to do it. And maybe people who are just, like, curious and want to stick around. I also have empathy for that. Like, you know, it's an interesting thing to see. But what what I will say is, like, I think that that's what our role is, like, our civic role. The fact that we're going to stay behind and watch things for you. We're going to try to document this as best as we can. We're going to try to get you as much real-time information as possible. And then after the storm, we're going to try to give you as quick updates as, as we possibly can. We're going to keep our eye on everything that's going on. And again, this not just us, all the local media is going to stay behind. You know, like I said, if, if you and can... To be clear, we're staying behind in a, like, we have like a, a really sturdy building. Yeah. And we have like a whole thing that like our company oh, yeah, yeah, prepares yeah. for Storm Team in particular. So um, I'll say this, that if I, this was not my job, and sometimes I'm like, huh, why is this my job? No, just kidding. I love it. But, uh, mm-hmm. but seriously, like I would not, I would evacuate for sure right. if I didn't have 
the Boson Courier building, which has extra generators, which has tons of extra water that has emergency supplies here. You right. Know, that's Ex- exactly. I mean, we're staying. That That's another thing to think about, too, is that it might even even if it's not necessarily a risk to your like immediate life and limb, like to stay behind, like eat because it might not be. And but it could it, be nothing. But it, but it could be a situation where, okay, maybe you wouldn't necessarily die if you stayed behind, but it could be a situation where if you stay behind, you're then going to have to deal with not having power for a week. Now, again, like I, I want to note that, you know, there is there is a certain economic privilege that comes with evacuation. Right. Not yeah. not everybody can afford to like go stay in a hotel. Not everybody has the luxury of having relatives. Like say I, I have relatives in Greenville that I could go stay with. You know, not everybody has that. I just want to note that because it it is sometimes frustrating, I think, for people to be told, like, well, just evacuate. And I don't have the solutions for those people who don't necessarily have, like, a quick, easy place to evacuate to. I mean, you should go to shelters. But I just just want to acknowledge that. Like, it's it's not not an easy situation. Yeah. You know, I I hope that this doesn't come off preachy or anything because... I have friends that don't evacuate. I have family that doesn't evacuate. You know what? No judgment if you don't. It's just probably best that you do. That's kind of what we're saying here, you know? All right. So we've been talking about evacuations for a really long time. So let's just let's just cut back, though, to the storm itself and actually what the forecast is and, and how we make sense of it. And, and then we'll wrap this up. There, there was a quote from our most recent story on postandcourier.com. It says... Interestingly enough, the Hurricane Center track has held valid for several days as computer models forecast for Dorian wobbled and other professionals were acknowledging that Monday. I think that a lot of people don't understand the difference between the forecast and the models. So like, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, okay. So, so let me let me there's an article I wrote that you can go go search for. It says something about like um the European model may be best. So like search European model post and curry if you want to read a more like uh, fleshed out explanation of this. But okay, so there's a whole bunch of Models. Models are simulations of the atmosphere. Basically, you just take a computer and you tell it, you know, everything that you know reasonably about the atmosphere. And, you know, we all we know what the laws of physics are. And so we just try to use math um, and supercomputers to try to forecast what will happen in the future. Of course, um, there's so many things that are imperfect about that. And weather is what's called a like chaotic system. That means it's Maybe you've heard of the butterfly effect, the idea that there's like a really, really small thing turns into a really big thing or like a snowball effect. And, and that's what happens with these models. So they they start off pretty accurate, like the first couple of hours are accurate, but like every hour after that is like less accurate. The two really big models that everybody pays the most attention to are called the GFS and people call it the European model or the Euro model. Um, it's like ECMWF, but... Those are like the two kind of like premier models that everybody talks about, but there's actually a whole bunch. And the official forecast is made by taking all of the models into account and then just kind of averaging them, which is actually like the smartest thing to do because you can think about like each model as being, I think I, I told uh, one of our employees, they're, they're like fan fictions. They're like things that could happen. They're not what will happen. And the best way to make a prediction is just kind of average all of them together. So all that being said... It's interesting that the forecast has been really consistent and the models have been really consistent. What that means is that we have better confidence that the story that the models are telling us is probably true. Yeah, it's a good thing that the official forecast, I mean, it 
it did. So, you know, one point I kind of did want to get at is, you know, um, and I, I do want to keep this brief. And we did talk about this in a previous episode. So you can kind of yeah. learn a little bit more about that. But, you know, it's like Friday. Friday, we kind of was still looking like it was going to make landfall in Florida. And then it made that switch. When we all woke up on Saturday yeah. morning, right? But since Saturday, it's been somewhat consistent, right? The, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of wobbling back and forth. Right. Now, again, like I said, that wobble matters a lot. Right. Because, again, we're, we're talking about a situation where a wobble of 20 miles right. is the difference between us experiencing tropical storm force winds and us experiencing Category 1 force winds or Category 2 force winds. Um, and it's the difference between us experiencing a moderate storm surge or a major storm surge. Again, though, that, that being said, the, the basic story that it's going to track up along the coast, that seems really valid. It's definitely going to do that. We're just not sure how, how close. close it's yeah. actually going to end up being when it does pass by us. If GFS is saying that it's going to make landfall in like north of Charleston, but the official hurricane forecast has it staying on the coast, like what's the difference between GFS and the National Hurricane Center's forecast? Well, I know, if, I know, yeah, I, I know yeah. what you said earlier, but I guess, yeah. sorry, let me be clear. Doesn't does the National Hurricane Center not make that? I guess I guess it's a computer. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna shut up. Dumb question. Done. No, no, no. <laughs> that, that, that's not a, that's not a dumb question at all. I think I think a lot of people get really confused about this. Bottom line, like I said, the the models are, are made by computers. Are made by computers. That's right. That's they're, it. I knew it. They're interesting. They are stories that computers tell us about what could happen in the future. They're interesting to look at. They're not psychic. They're not telling us what the future will be. They're just telling us one possible version of the future. So what GFS is saying is, you know, it's making a reasonable guess, but the smart thing to do, you know, you can take these models into account, you can look at them and they're interesting, but really what you want to do if you're looking at models is look at what the trend is, look at, you know, is it trending closer to the coast or is it trending versus the last time the model was run and the time before that. And then you really though just want to pay the the closest attention to that official forecast track. Yep. And again, you don't want to get like too focused on what that specific line is because like I said, there's, there's, the a, cone. there's a margin of error. Yeah, really what the cone means is in the future, the hurricane could be in that anywhere any in point, that yes. anywhere in that cone. It could yes. also be outside of that cone. Yeah. <laughs> but the cone, I mean, yeah, I there, think there's people, a there's you a, get really focused in that line and not yeah. the There's the a cone. weird there's a weird esoteric probability definition of like what the cone means, but the the simplest way to understand it is just that like at any point in the future it's probably going to be somewhere in that cone right and the line is just the center it's just the center, it's of, just cone. The center of the cone yeah um and like a lot of south carolina is in that cone so i like and i and i would say it is to note. the storm is more likely to be closer to the line than it is to be far from mm-hmm. the line yeah because the cone is made around the line exactly I guess, yeah but the line, I don't know. The, the line is the line is the line. The line doesn't mean that's what the storm is going to do. And now you understand South Carolina. <laughs> the line is the line. The line is yeah. But I do think we should wrap this up. Yeah, mostly because we got a lot of work to yeah, do. Yeah, we, we've got mm. a lot more work to do th- this afternoon. <laughs> this um, night. This, this yeah, the sun is setting already. Yeah. Um, hope I <laughs> I really hope that this uh, helped y'all understand a little bit better. Um, what's going on, what the thought process is around all of this. And yeah. <laughs> and um, also, 
we're not sure. It kind of depends on, frankly, it depends on how busy Imri and I get uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of the need for another episode like this. But if you have any questions that you might want us to address, if we do do another emergency episode this week, um, feel free to email us, understandsc at postandcourier.com. We're on Twitter at understandsc. And we'd yeah. love to hear from you. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Stay thanks. safe out there. Stay safe. We're going to get through this. Yep. Yep. And, Do our best. Uh, we'll be here. We'll be here for Campos you. Campos and Courier. Yep. yep. All right. Till next time. Till next time.